Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 140. And today we're talking best practices for WordPress security. Uh, I'd like to let the panel introduce themselves. Brian, who are you? I'm Brian Jackson. Uh, I'm the director of inbound marketing over at Keensta, where we do um, high-performance WordPress hosting. And then I also blog uh, on my WorkUp uh, marketing blog as well. Sally, who are you? My name is Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl, and I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. Very good. Jackie? My name's Jackie D'Elia with Jackie D'Elia Design in Charlotte, North Carolina. I focus on web consulting, SEO, and content strategy. Excellent. Jonathan? Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a WordPress maintenance um, security company, and we're also a resource for designers, PR companies, WordPress consultants. Where you're looking for themes or plugins, we're there to support you. Very good. And I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design, and I provide uh, WordPress help to businesses specifically focusing on local SEO and WooCommerce. Uh, today's topic is all about security, and we have a whole bevy of articles uh, that we're going to go over. First and foremost, uh, one written by our own Brian Lee Jackson, 18 plus ways to keep your WordPress site secure. Uh, Brian, do you want to go over some of the things discussed in this article? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a big article, um, I think, because WordPress security is a big topic. So I think it, it deserves, you know, a lot of attention. I don't think it gets as, as much as it should in the community. Well, it is now, um, isn't it, Brian? <laughs> yeah, it, it is now, um, especially with that DDoS thing. Um, yeah, I think people are a little more aware now that this is they do need to do um, stuff on their WordPress site to secure it more. Um, even... I think Security put out this study that's in the article. Like 74% of the um, attacks are on WordPress out of all the platforms they monitor, like Joomla, Drupal. You know, WordPress has always hit the hardest. Um, I think part of that is just because it is the largest market share as well. Um, but there's, you know, there's so many bad plugins out there, so many bad practices that people just, they need to follow an article like one of these to go down and make sure they're doing some of this stuff. Yeah, most definitely. And I think we can go over, you know, these 18 plus steps like in depth in, in, in the main part of the show for sure. I, I would like to circle back to these. Um, there's a lot of good tips here and, and we could break each one down one by one. Um, there is another article uh, that was published by Sue Curry, Learning from Buggy WordPress WP Login Malware. Uh, Sally actually suggested... Uh, this article along with Jonathan, um, you know, and, and Sally, like what are some of the things that, that were happening uh, in this particular article? All right. So it's, it's talking about, it, it's analyzing the code of, of a couple of uh, it, it, different types of, of malware. And, and what they're saying basically is this is really crappy code. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, these people who, who, who wrote this malware are, are, are just lousy developers. Um, which one would hope makes it uh, actually a little easier to, uh, you know, to fix and, and prevent it that, you know, these are things that, that can be, you know, cleaned up uh, fairly regularly. Um, but it's, it, it's kind of interesting to note is that, you know, the, the people hacking your site are not necessarily better developers than, than you are. Uh, they just, you know, this is what they do with their spare time. Uh, I, I suspect that, that the people who did stuff like the, the major uh, DNS uh, DDoS attack uh, are a little more skilled. Uh, but it, uh, you know, it's... They're comrades. Right. The... Uh, um, uh, you know, but it, it gives you kind of a, a, a guide about, you know, where some stuff can get into your site. And just a reminder that, you know, there are all kinds of people attempting things. Um, yes, hello, BC. Um, is, the cat is the cat Russian? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Those Russian hackers, they're the best. Yeah. Uh, 
I always put my money on the Eastern Europeans for, well, for real. Best quality hackers you can get. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, Jonathan, uh, you know, what were your takeaways uh, from this? Like, how can people prevent the, the types of things that were going on here? Because basically they were giving themselves like a, a back door to, yeah. to still log in. Um, well, in Brian's article, I think it's number one or number two, you, you mention it, don't you, Brian? And it's a thing that a lot of people, there's various plugins that can do a scan. Somebody tries to do it themselves. And then, um, which is good news for a company like, it's, it's, it's perverted really, but what happens is um, about a couple of days later, their site is hacked again. Um, because um, a back door has been put in it's normally this all sounds perverted and crazy but in the hackers world it's best practice to put a back door you know Um, that's a perverted statement really isn't it John Um, but Mm -hmm. they normally um, and what the the other article was is it that really if they're kiddie scripter or they just bought the, uh, a backdoor, there's various websites, various forums where you can get all this stuff from. Um, but then obviously there's a higher class of um, hacker, but they they normally um, they're normally paid for serve. I, I they've targeted a site and they're paid to actually hack it. Um, so th- there's different le- levels in the. That the hacking world that you can ascend to, John. It's all, um, it's all perver- most def- it's all perverted, isn't it, John? Yeah. I want to ask Jackie. Um, you know, there there is a couple things in this article that that were very interesting, uh, where it lists things like um, it, it's showing like you know some of these script kitties, how they're hacking into sites and leaving back doors, and and it occurs to me that there is a lot of you know, businesses that don't update their version of WordPress or they, they don't do things like, you know, remove the uh, user admin user with ID one and things like that. And they could potentially be hacked for a very long time. Uh, You know, what are some things that, that were mentioned in here that, that, you know, you see people make that are common mistakes. Um, One of the other ones, that was uh, comes to mind is not updating your plugins, especially those premium plugins where you've let the license expire, such as like Gravity Forms, right? And you've mm-hmm. got a client, maybe they've had their site three, four years, and they initially had a Gravity Forms license, and they've never renewed the license. So they've got a very old version of a plugin running that could have vulnerabilities in there and are not updating that because they don't they didn't pay for the license renewal, so they're not getting the updates. And just doing some simple things like you had just mentioned about, you know, removing the ID number one and, you know, making your username, um, the admin user not doing any publishing um, of posts or anything visible on the website. I'm and totally guilty of that. Myself. I am too. I mean, there were some things when I read this, like I was like, okay, these are all very good ways to harden up, um, you know, your security on your site and even things that we're doing on our own websites. So those were, I found those really interesting. I, I think a lot of the the decent hosts now are updating WordPress um, for the most part when a new version comes out. I think more so a big vulnerability is the plugins, especially the ones that are not renewed. I think that would be, of a, I would be checking that if I was uh, getting, working with a new client thinking about doing a project for them is making sure all their licenses are up to date and they are actually updating their plugins. Yeah. Either renew your license or or use a different plugin. Or use a free version. Get something that's free that you're going to get updates on. You know, that's an excellent point, Jackie, and and something that I want to address for sure. Like a lot of times when I onboard like a new client and I'm taking a look at their site, Maybe somebody else has set it up before. Maybe they've set it up before. A lot of the time, you'll see, uh, you know, either they don't have the plugin licenses, or they haven't updated, uh, you know, the plugins in like months and months. And the majority of plugin updates are security updates. Most of the, um, you know, updates that happen are, are either bug fixes 
or there, there are little updates to make things more secure. The more times that a plugin uh, or a piece of software gets updated, that means that it's fixing bugs. It's taking out vulnerabilities. Um, it, it, you know, things have been found that can be fixed. It's only when a plugin doesn't get updated a lot of the time that, that you should maybe be wary. Um, yeah, it's a, little, it's a little bit difficult though, John, because, you know, with our sites, we, we, the sites we manage, we don't have automatic updating enabled. We want, we want to do it for the client because we want to test everything on a, on a secondary, on a, on a staging site before it's, yes, it's, it's, we, you know it's we don't we don't to do that we don't we don't want because the because then because you, you had that um bit of fiasco with that um caching plugin was it the really popular one um the free um w uh, w3 total cache you know yeah. where he um you know it was reported you know it hadn't been updated for a while and then it he mixed um he was doing a it seems i don't know if he's made a public statement i'm gonna have to check this but i don't know if he's made a public statement about all this but seemingly there was a security bug and but then he decided that he was gonna have to do this security up patch he might as well include some of the other improvements so he bundled it all together and if people wanted to obviously have the security patch um have access to it but then when they when they upgraded it took some of their sites down uh because he enabled he, he bundled it with these other improvements so it was a real bit of a real mess wasn't it john yeah, and and that definitely made a lot of people upset because uh, you know your caching plugin you kind of rely on a lot, and uh, you know definitely like a lot of people were circulating the rumor that it wasn't even like being actively maintained anymore, be you know because of that stuff, um, which which is a shame. I mean, there's definitely like other caching services that you can use, and some hosting uh, you know providers have their own form of caching for sure. Um, you know, here's something I, I want to ask Brian. Here's another um, article that was on our list, which is uh, from WordFence talking about the, the DDoS attack that against uh, the DNS provider DIN that took out like a large portion of the internet. Um, you know, uh, what exactly was going on with that? And and why is it important to have a secondary DNS provider? I think the big thing, I was personally affected by that myself, actually. I woke up that morning and my couldn't stream Spotify from their website. And I had a purchase of my coupon plugin. I couldn't mm-hmm. then get to PayPal. And then I went to Twitter and my tweet deck was down. So <laughs> it seemed like everything I hit that morning was just down. So right. I was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to push some code to GitHub. Wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So is I think it affected everyone to some extent. Um, I know some people are calling it like DNS doomsday or the day the internet went down, which it really, it really kind of was. Um, and I think now they've, let me see here. It was attributed to the, I don't know how to pronounce this, the Mira botnet, which is a self-propagating malware, which runs over... Um, different traffic ports and they basically just flooded din and dns providers have name servers that you have to point your website to and basically they took down din's name servers and so nothing was actually down just the lookup was down so when people that were using din like twitter um, when you went to twitter's website it couldn't do the lookup to din and so it appeared that twitter was down in fact nothing was actually down just the lookup um Right, yeah. you could you could get there by typing the IP address. Exactly, yeah, and I I was doing that a little bit. Because yeah, I've totally memorized Twitter's IP address, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot. People, people were probably pinging like crazy that morning, or at least people that knew to. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. It's been it was the biggest DDoS ever in history. I think it was like six hundred gigabytes a second or something. It was it was a, definitely a record. And they were. Am I correct in saying, Brian, that um, what I read about it that they were they, they were it was not only websites that they, that they had compromised. They were using like 
like something like refrigerators that had a microprocessor that had wireless connection yeah. or something they were using that was the interesting part they were using a lot of wireless devices that right it was a lot what, of internet of things stuff is yeah, that right was, is that right brian yeah no they spread i had read about that too they spread like this the mirror botnet i guess they had spread it across multiple devices and some of it was like these wireless i mean they were p- pretty much piggybacking off every connection they could to try to hit din as fast because with ddos it's all about volume like it's not about sometimes it's not even about how smart you are. It's really just about volume sometimes, and they successfully did it. Um, and Din's a great company. I mean, millions of companies rely on them for for DNS. And uh, I know their CEO released a huge statement a couple of days later. You know, and he said, you know, I think this helps us uh, helps the internet as a whole because we all realize that we need to get better at the security. Even Din said that. So I was actually impressed that they. I mean, they admitted that you know it was it was their fault for not being better at this. Well, it's not much. There are certain things they could do, but it you know, with a, with a size attack of that size, is is there any kind of company if it gets to big enough size? There's only so much they can do, isn't there? Well, I mean, they they do a lot of crazy stuff, and I I don't know that much about DNS to be honest, but I know there's you know they load, offload balance traffic. Um, when I worked at KeyCDN, we had DDoS attacks all the time. And um, my coworkers actually built an entire infrastructure of servers just to handle DDoS attacks. So when we were attacked, all the traffic was routed to different servers. So no, none of the customers were affected. So, you know, there's a lot of things. So they were setting up honeypots, really. But basically, yeah, rerouting. So it's still happening, but it's not hitting the actual customers. It's crazy. Um, but... I think DIN will be better because of this. Um, and I know Cloudflare was hit last year with like the second biggest one ever, with like 400 gigabytes a second. And, you know, I think they've implemented new security practices because of the DDoS as well. Well, you know, there we go. You've got to watch these fridges, haven't you, Brian? Yeah, yeah. That is terrible, these wireless fridges that connected, telling you when your food's not chilled enough. That's yeah, right. I've been control. attacked through my toaster. Yeah, lock, lock down those devices, even if it's your Samsung fridge. <laughs> so. The collapse of Western society was wireless toasters, Brian. There yeah. we go. There exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's like the movie Maximum Overdrive coming to life. Um, there is another article that that, that Sally uh, suggested here, uh, which was iThemes uh, published this securing WordPress from the start. And there's some really good, like, basic um, security practices here. Uh, Sally, you know, uh, what were some of the things that, you know, you got out of this article? Right. So, you know, one of the, the reasons I put that on the list is is that, you know, we are not short of information on how to do the basics of WordPress security. And, and you can find articles like this. You know, uh, all over the place if, if you do a little bit of, of searching. And this is, you know, this is a thorough article. It's slightly self-serving. You know, they recommend their own security oh, yeah. plugins. But, uh, you know, they're, they're all the kind of ba- basic good uh, sorts of things. You know, you're, you're going to be better off with a, a manual install, uh, you know, making sure that, that you don't use a default admin name and, uh, you know, default uh, WordPress uh, table prefix and, you know, add the two-factor authentication and the brute force protection and, uh, uh, you know, make sure you have backups. I mean, you know, a lot of these tips are, are the same uh, kinds of tips that you've got that, you know, Brian has in his article or that we have in, uh, you know, I, I have dozens of articles that say approximately the same thing. It's, it's kind of like all those performance articles that tell you approximately the same thing, but, you know, the thing is that people are still writing these articles because folks don't do it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and, and that's the thing too. I, I see it a lot, you know, especially in small business, but not even strictly in small business. There's a lot of larger sites too, where people seem there. It's, I don't know what it is, but it's like sometimes people seem afraid to update WordPress or update the plugins because they're afraid like something's going to change. It does sometimes happen. It does. That's the point. Yeah. Really, John. That's why you have a staging site and that's why you, 
you know, have somebody, you know, do that and test things out. Is that, um, it sounds so self-serving, but I don't care, folks. Well, you need that, you know, if you're making some money and it's really important, you, I think you do need a maintenance company or you need to hire a developer. You need some some kind of regular support. Right. If you, if you haven't got anybody on staff who's who's doing that, then, you know, you you should hire somebody. And, and I, you know, I try to persuade my clients to use something like WP Tonic because you guys can do that sort of stuff cheaper than I can. And, you know, what I find is that a lot of people are like, well, but I'm working with you. I like you. I want I want you to do it. And I'm like, that's not really what I want to spend my time doing. Uh <laughs> Well, it's not only that. You only have to kind of, you only have to forget or something. And if it, something happens, guess who they're going to blame? All right. Well, and it's you know, and I want them to have their stuff updated because cleaning up hacked sites is just a sucky job. I, I don't enjoy doing that at all. It could be a bloody expensive job. Oh, well, that too. And you know, as as and you know, people who've come to me who are sort of like you know, yeah, I lost my entire website because of X, and you know, now I need to have it rebuilt. Uh, you know, suddenly they're interested in you know paying for the the security scanning and the and the backup and the and the extra services, but usually not until something some kind of disaster occurs. I think yeah, I think, I think people should treat it like car health insurance. Like that's how they should be treating it. You should be doing this beforehand, not not after the fact. Well, to finish off before we go to our first break, folks, um, if John agrees, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My response is: uh, I had a, I had somebody say to me, Brian, um, and I'm going to, you know, um, they use a very well known specialized WordPress hosting provider, Brian, uh, um, and it was not your company, but it's okay. um, somebody. Um, begins with e uh um, and uh, um, they were saying to me well they do the backups they do the scanning i love them so i don't have to do them and i felt myself do you you know yeah they're reputable companies it's fine but i would not want to rely on the hosting i don't care who they are i would want my own backups i would want my own um backups my you know i just would not want to and my own scans and i would not totally want to rely on on any hosting provider i don't care who they are uh, um especially if my if i'm making it's considerably important in marketing or cash terms to my business i just wouldn't want to do it but people tend to go into kind of bit of a fog don't they john well when it comes to backups, you want to have as many backups in as many different places um, as possible, not on your actual server, but you want to have you know reliable backups. Um, if your hosting company does daily backups or weekly backups, that's great. And a lot of managed WordPress hosts do do that, but you don't want to strictly rely on that. It's good to have... Uh, redundant backups in case something goes wrong or in case the the backup that they have is, you know, there's something wrong with that backup. And, you know, you always want to have kind of like save points of your site where you know everything is working correctly, everything's safe. And so you can revert to those if you need to in a crisis. Um, you know, it's definitely good to have redundant backups. So I... I think they're words of wisdom, folks. Shall we go for our yep. first break, John? Yeah, let's go for a break. When we come back, we're going to be breaking down uh, more of uh, you know the, the different ways that you can keep your WordPress site safe and secure. See you after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. We're coming back from our break, and we're with our panel. And uh, we're talking all the ways that you can keep your WordPress site secure and safe and follow best practices for WordPress security. Uh, one thing I want to come back to is this very uh, thorough, in-depth article that, that Brian wrote on uh, 18 plus steps to lock down your site. Uh, and let's go through some of these, you know, one by one. 
Yeah. Um, I just want to say something, John. I was just going to ask Brian, of, of, you know, because it's a very detailed article and a really great article. You know, if you're based on your own experience, what are... I, I, I think when it comes to security, and I don't know if you would agree with this, Brian, it, you know, there's certain levels you go by because um, some of these... As as you really tie you harden a site, it can become a um, less easier to maintain it and update it as you harden it. But what are some of the things that you think anybody, when they're looking at the WordPress, should start doing from the start that will make their site more secure, Brian? Um, I mean, another thing to keep in mind too is performance too, because some of those plugins, like WordPress, is a great plugin too but I've also known it can slow sites down as well. So sometimes with security plugins, it might be better to run them once in a while and actually disable them if they don't have anything after. And then, you know, if you can put yourself on a schedule, sometimes that's better for performance, I've seen. Um, but some of the basics, and it sounds so stupid, but the the admin, not using the admin for a username. Um, I know I was I used to work for a company, and I can I will fully admit it, we, we had an admin username and we were hacked and I was doing SEO. So I wasn't really the person in charge of the, the WordPress site itself. So that's my excuse, I guess. <laughs> um, but we were hacked and what happened was we had like um, someone injected all these uh, health terms like Viagra, all these health things into the site, totally took it down. And I, I came in the next week to work. And I looked up our backlinks from an SEO perspective, and I realized we we now had 20,000 external websites all pointing at us to these pages that were hacked. Um, they In the community, I guess they call it negative SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent two years cleaning it up, two years trying to get all those negative backlinks against me down. And it is the worst nightmare that could ever happen for anybody. And um, we went through a security process checks and stuff after that for our WordPress site. And, you know, one of the things was we were using bad logins. Um, we were lazy and, uh, that it, we got kicked in the butt because of it. So I'd say for any businesses, they need to delete that login right away and create better ones. Brian, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. So you, you said you had like 20,000 some odd backlinks pointing to your site how how did you go about removing those i mean yeah if you clean your site and remove all of the content that's on your site that they're pointing to are you saying then there's an additional process you've got to go through to try to get these links to your site deleted i actually have an article on my workup site it's how i cleaned up twenty thousand backlinks okay (laughs) it's an in-depth thing but basically there's um you know, you got to take them down still and you got to contact the website owners. And so you just have to start building this disavow file that you give Google saying, you know, I want to disavow this site. Say, you know, I'm not a part of this. Don't treat this as part of my website. Was, um, it, was it called 20,000 links? How I lost my sanity. <laughs> yeah, it should have been. Cause it was, I can't even explain to you how much of a nightmare that is. And it all came down to security. Um, there's another tool called R move too, which is by some, some individual lady that created it, she's amazing. She's so smart. But it basically what it does is you put in your list of these bad links and it will automate the process of emailing the website owners um, and telling them, you know, you need to take this link down. This is not part of our site. And it's, you know, it, it saved my butt, basically. That I've received some of those emails and, and gotten quite offended because yeah. the links that I had to those sites were totally legitimate. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess you could use it in a bad way too, but I, I think it was accidental. I, I think they just sort of like anything that they didn't immediately recognize they had put on that. I I, I don't know what you're linking to Sally. Well, (laughs) if you don't filter it right and you put it in that software, you could put legitimate links in there very easily too. The whole thing is about volume. So yeah, I could see that happening very easily, but yeah, it was a nightmare. And it, I mean, it came down to us being lazy on our WordPress security and I've never made that same mistake again since then. I've, you know, I think sometimes it takes a learning for you getting hacked to actually realize, wow, this is important. 
That's a really valuable lesson, though, because a lot of people think, yeah, if we get hacked, we'll just do a rest, we'll restore and we'll pick up where we left off and go on. But you're talking about repercussions that lasted years. Two from years. This. Yeah. They're still not, I don't work there anymore. And I, they're still, my brother works for that company and I keep in touch and they're still cleaning those links up still after, after I'm gone. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Um, it's yeah, something you got to. Yeah, you come to work every day and you're like, oh, you got to try to clean up a thousand more backlinks. It's, yeah. it's not think, something you want to live with. I think what you've got to do, Brian, maybe very quickly explain um, what, why this happened. You know, yeah, I, so I mean, there's no, sometimes with hackers, I mean, on your WordPress site, there's no way to track it down to exactly like this is the reason. But we went through our site and, you know, one, one thing was the logins were horrible. Um, another thing was we didn't change the default login URL to log in. I think that's a, something, it's such an easy fix. And you can decrease the, um, if you look at your site with a tool like WordFence or something, you'll see all these attempts to log into your site from bots and all these crazy things. I mean, big sites will have, you know, two to 3,000 attempts per day is, is normal. Um, and if you change the WordPress login URL, I've seen it drop by 99%. Yeah, it does. Well, funny, like, funny enough, I had to do that with a, another another site that I own, and we were getting attacked um, for some reason by a specifically very persistent East European that had a network. And we kept um, another thing is to have an active whitelist rather than a blacklist. Because. Um, um, but doing that, yeah. But what I meant was, um, actually, Brian, why... Because they, they were basically trying to damage whoever was doing this. Am I correct in saying through bad SEO was actually trying to damage the company that you were working for maliciously, weren't they? Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of both. They were trying to... So the, the backlinks were in our code, so we didn't see them. I think they were there for a couple months before we actually seen them. That's another reason why you should check your code um, frequently if you have... Or hire a maintenance company like you guys to do it because nobody else is doing it. Um, so they were there sitting there for months and um, you know they started... The link juice on Google started building up from those months sitting there. And, uh, you know, it, I think they were doing it also for some private, um, link building farms on their end. So it was benefiting them on that sense, but it was also damaging us. So I don't think it was intentionally against us. I think it was more of a building of, um, right. This, this was the pharma hack, right? Yeah. That, yeah, it was. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it affected an awful lot of people and, and basically, yeah, it was, you know, sending all these people after their Viagra uh, yeah. ads, you know, and uh, it, it was, uh, it was ugly. Yeah. The other factor folks, what we're talking about is, it's really rather crummy really, but it's got to the stage folks that it's easier to damage. If you're a competitor, it, if you hire certain very unscrutable, not unscrupulous, very scrupulous individuals, thank you, Sally. Um, it's cheaper to attack a competitor and ruin their SEO, SEO than building quality SEO for your own business. When you, when you look at it in very perverse monetary terms, it's cheaper to destroy somebody else's SEO than to build your own. Um, it's got to that stage, actually, folks. Yeah, and actually what we were talking about, um, I'll, I'll link up Brian's article about cleaning uh, up the, the, the links uh, in show notes. But also I want to mention another article where that same thing happened. There is another podcast um, that actually got taken off the rails um, that, that used to be active for a little while, uh, the WP Bacon and um, there was a competitor. There was a guy who was in the WordPress community for a minute, and uh, he actually attacked them with negative SEO. There's a whole article on that, on, on the things that they found, uh, the same tactic that you're talking about. The, the thing with negative SEO, if anybody here is thinking, hmm, I can write this. Yeah, not, to give you ideas, you know, just, just to make it crystal clear, like when you like hire people, though, there's usually like a, a traceable trail that's right back to you. Um, so, you know, know for a fact that, that, that if you do 
you know, do a negative SEO attack, there's usually a paper trail that, that that's going to, you know, have you found out at the end of that. So, you know, determine, you know, whether it's worth, but, but, you know, definitely, I mean, you can do all kinds of, uh, you know, have bad backlinks back to your competitors, or you can, you know, as Brian experienced the pharma hack, uh, I actually seen that with a, a city website, like here in the area, they had um, hidden links. They were using CSS to like push them like way off the page, but there was links to like pharma sites. Uh, and it was, so it can happen at any level uh, to anyone. Um, so shall we ask Brian for the next one? So change your login details. Don't use admin. Um, maybe change the URL to login. What's the next step you would suggest, Brian? Um, I mean, the, the, the ones I think uh, um, Jackie already touched on was the updating, you know, always update your um, WordPress, always update your uh, plugins. Those are two very, I mean, very basic things, but sometimes the most important things to do. Um, some other ones, let's see here. Limiting login attempts. Um, you can change that by the doing the URL, but you can also, there's plugins out there that will let you limit you know like you don't want anyone logging in you know 50 times a second <laughs> that should be even a legit person shouldn't be doing that so you can limit things like that easily um two-factor authentication is another thing that i've this last year actually be getting more into um it sounds sometimes over the board sometimes for your wordpress site but you know i use it for all my other stuff i do so you know why shouldn't you be using it for your wordpress site if it's important to you so yeah, I think I think a thing I like to point out to folks linked to what Brian's just said is because you don't have a plugin activated doesn't mean it's a security problem. If it's actually installed in the database or in, in the site, it might not be activated, um, but it's still there. And if you're really not going to use it, you know, like Brian mentioned, uh, one of the security plugins, you know, activate it when you need it and then deactivate it. That's a different circumstance. But if you've got plugins and you, you, they're not activated and you're not going to use them, get rid of them. And um, it's the same with the themes aren't such a problem, but I don't. It depends on whether you've used the automatic install from one of those hosting companies that then installs, you know, 15,000 useless themes. Exactly. You've got a fantastic point, And thank you for bringing that up, folks. I really despise these scripts that install. Um, I was actually going to ask Brian because we've had, the, I won't name the hosting companies, Brian, but... Well, there's certain specialised WordPress hosting, and they've actually they've they actually gone into the core of these scripts. They install it, and they've actually altered the core of WordPress and done all sorts of things. So, when when the clients fed up with this this terrible hosting company and they want to move, and you do and you're trying to move it, there's all sorts of horrendous problems, and I, and. I just want to go and shoot them, really, Brian. Uh, <laughs> hunt them down and deal with them in the most severe way, Brian. Uh, um, but um, I don't understand it. But I, I so you, I think in your article, you do you really don't want to use these scripts that some hosting providers provide. Am I correct? Yeah, no, and actually, I don't even have that in the article, so I will be adding. Yeah, that that was in the that was in the iTunes article, but yeah, that yeah, manual install. We're up to nineteen now, aren't you? Yeah, I'll include that in the theme section there. You know, one thing in Brian's article that he mentioned, you know, passwords, and just just to go back to this, how many clients I work with that just really have no safeguards with their passwords at all or any type of um, difficulty in the actual password itself. So probably like, I don't know, maybe four years ago or so, I got one password installed on mine and 
I use that exclusively now and it's on all my devices and LastPass is another one that they can get. But I think trying to encourage your clients to actually start really using really long, secure passwords and they're going to be resistant in the beginning. And I was too when I first started that because, oh, I don't want to remember all of those. And what if I can't get into it? And, you know, there's lots of reasons, but like, especially with all your banking and everything, having something like that for um, to create those really long passwords. And I know WordPress now really tries to get people when you first create the user to actually use a very strong password. And I think uh, that's probably the weakest point I see with most users um, in WordPress is they use these very simple little passwords and they are not worried about that at all. Yeah, most of my clients are terrible passwords. Yeah, I think if you can work, if as is a user of WordPress, your first thing would be to train yourself to start, you know, using really good, strong passwords. And that would be like the very first step in securing your WordPress site. Yeah, no, I, I think Splash Data did a, a, a review of that um, yeah. in 2015. And their the most popular passwords was like one, two, three, four, five, six, password, one, two, three, four, five. And it's just, it's almost mind boggling how, you know, how simple it is. And for a script to guess that, you know, that's going to be in the scripts that are hitting your site automatically. So they could get into your site basically like that if it's hit, if it hits your site. Yeah. You, you might as well just use please hack me for your password. Yeah. Really. <laughs> now we, we had an interview um, this week with um, Robert, didn't we, John? Yes, uh, Robert Abila of uh, WP White Security, and also he has the uh, the, the auditing log uh, plugin. It, it's it's very important to know like what people are doing on your site, and and whenever you put in like audit log, whether it's Robert's plugin or whether it's like iTheme Security or whatever it is, most small business owners. Most business owners at all, they're freaked out when they see like how much activity is actually going on on their site. And it's like, yes, this happens all the time. Your site is being scanned 24-7 uh, if you're on the internet at all. And, uh, you know, after a while, they, they, they do the reconnaissance. They're looking for things that aren't there. They're looking for vulnerabilities uh, that are known in plugins. And I'll often see that, like just you know, on on all my sites uh, that I manage, d they scan for the same things. Uh, whenever a plugin vulnerability uh, comes out, whenever they say, "Hey, we've patched this," that's the first thing that the hackers do is is try and exploit that uh, some more. And that's how you you saw the the revolution slider uh, hack from a year ago that you know hundreds of thousands of sites were affected because people don't update their site they don't update their plugins i think it's mentioned in brian's article and on the security uh sukuri uh, blog that, that the plugins not being updated is one of the very top uh, vulnerabilities not that that's the only one but you know um yeah and that's he, another he, reason and he was really mentioning it, it you know the, why wordpress gets a bad rap is the amount of old installations or sites that the plugin, it, it was like what Brian said that Robert confirmed it. it. It's really the plugins and not updating them and having a load of plugins that are totally out of date, isn't it, John? Mm -hmm. you know, and that's an, another reason why you don't want to use the, um, you know, you don't necessarily want to use like these theme forest themes that have the plugins like bundled in because a lot of times it makes it harder to update the plugins because you have to update the whole theme. And, and a lot of people just don't bother. They just say, well, your website's up. Okay. I'm just going to not update anything for the next three years. Okay. And Another, that's how they get hacked. Another, right. Sorry. Yeah. I was, I was going to mention that because it's, if you buy one of these themes with the plugins bundled in, you can't update the plugins. You have to wait for the theme developer to do it. If they and do it. So you're, Right, if they do it. And so you're, you know, you're really screwed. Yeah, yeah I think that um, was the big issue with the Revolution Slider was that very reason. Yeah. I think another thing, and I don't want to see if Brian agrees with this as well, you might have to add it to his list. The list might be growing, folks. Uh, um, is that um, the other thing that I've found, especially in slightly larger um, websites where 
you got more than a couple content providers. You know, people logging in, blogging, adding. Is do not allow every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's got access to the website to have admin access. Now set them up as as editors and set up your permissions to a level where um you know if they need to add a post they don't need the the level of permission to install a plugin do they but i come across so many larger especially non-profits and everybody's got admin access and i think it's a nightmare and we say to them you know, for god's sake you know just leave it to two people with admin access and everybody else has editor access what do you think of that brian yeah no i I totally agree. Um, Is that something you can have to add to your list, Brian? I, I think I have a little something right. on that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go more in depth on that now right. after this. Yeah, it, it is very important. And touching on that too, I think I do some guest posts once in a while on other sites. And sometimes, you know, your options are usually they'll have you write in a Google Doc or they give you a guest account to do it yourself. So a lot of these bigger WordPress sites out there have all these guest writer accounts on their sites. They have sometimes hundreds of WordPress accounts on their sites. And so it, it becomes very dangerous when you start adding up that many people with access. And if you tweak the permissions wrong just a little bit, like it could be disastrous. Yes, that's why Co-Authors Plus was invented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sonny was. So um, how are we going to move this? So the, I, go on, sorry. Uh, do, do you want to go to the second break and then we'll come back in and talk some more? Yeah, sure. That sounds great, John. Okay. We're going to go for our last break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about all the ways that you can keep your uh, WordPress site safe and secure and you know free from uh, getting hacked. Back in a minute. Want to turn your WordPress website into an online speed machine? Go on over to WP Tonic. They'll set up DigitalOcean websites hosting on solid state drives. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for WP Tonic's maintenance packages. WP Tonic offers some of the very best WordPress maintenance packages on the market. So those who are serious about getting the very best platform for their WordPress sites, make sure you go on over to wp-tonic.com. We're coming back. We're talking uh, with our WordPress panel, and, and we're discussing... Uh, Brian Lee Jackson's uh, article, WordPress Security, 18 Plus Steps to Lock Down Your Site. Uh, You know, one of the things uh, that I saw on this list is uh, disabling XML RPC. What is that, and and, uh, how do hackers exploit that? Brian. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, that's been around for a while. Um, and I think security has a bunch of articles actually on it. And, um, they've been a big pusher of disabling it. actually a lot of their articles just say, you know, if you're not using it, disable it. Um, as far as how it's actually used, um, I think people bat- bypass HTTP requests through the backend. I, I have to read more. I don't remember even the reason behind it. Uh, I just disable it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but there, the important thing, though, is that there are certain plugins that use that, like um, like Jetpack, Jetpack. I think is one. And so you have to be careful. Like, I try to warn people about that. Don't just disable yeah. it because you might break things, too. Yeah, that's why I don't like Jetpack. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, you can test it. You know, always test. So, I mean, if you're going to disable it, test and make sure everything's working. Or Google uh, plugins using XMLRPC. I'm sure there's a list somewhere on Google of plugins that use it. Um and but I, I do recommend disabling that just because there's been so many um, attacks just around that the past years, um, and security has tons of stuff on why you should disable that. Yeah, there are plugins like you know the iTheme security plugin, and I think other ones that will let you sort of partially disable it. So you can say, yeah, let's disable the trackbacks and pingbacks. Okay. Let's disable anything that doesn't do I forget what it is, so that you can set it so that it will let you know, jetpack through and, and uh, legitimate things, but, but still block the, you know, the most common yeah. attacks. I hate it, Sally, you know, I do, but you know, I, we just decide, you know, if they insist on jetpack, fair enough, but I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail, but there we go. I just, the, 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 oh, I'm sorry to butt in. The big thing with XML RPC, the, what, what the hackers do 
is they uh, can basically use it to brute force your site faster. Instead of just sending like one HTTP request with a password username combination, they can smush together like a whole a bunch of them in one request and then try and brute force like a whole bunch of username and password combinations uh, all at once using XML RPC. And that's one of the reasons why you might want to disable it. I know the WordPress mobile app and Jetpack and a couple other uh, plugins do use it, but if there's no need for you to have it, it's definitely something you should disable because brute forcing is is one of the top ways that people do hack your site. I think another thing I'll point out to clients, you know, if you're using Gmail, I'm sure Brian would correct me, I'm incorrect. It's all HTTPS, isn't it? So you're going to be reasonably, but... I don't think it's a really good idea in Starbucks to FTP into your website, folks, because it's a it's open protocol, and the next the next kitty next next to you on the seat can actually scan for your password and username. Yeah. So I suggest they don't do that. That's, I think sometimes that's forgotten, isn't it, Brian? Well, yeah, and I think that goes back to like what you said with HTTP. People always ask me like, should I move to HTTPS? And I ask them. Or they ask like for, for my WordPress blog because you know people have this mentality that it's a blog. I don't need a security certificate on there. But then I ask them, "Do you log into your WordPress site?" <laughs> That's the first thing I ask them, and they're like, "Yes." And then, well, if you don't have a certificate, it's passing your password in plain text. So, like, if you're in Starbucks, you know, if your password is you know "Don't hack me," they're gonna see that is "Don't hack me" right going through there if they're scanning. So. If you do it, if you use a certificate, it at least encrypts the password when you log in. So, yeah, I people ask me about HTTPS, and I I have no reason why they shouldn't install it. So, I mean, it can be a migration hassle with SEO, and there's a bunch well, of stuff. Well, uh, if, if you start off with a site, and you know, it can be a real painful. You know, there are some plugins that make it easier, but but if you're starting with a fresh from the day one, HTTPS, it's not going to be that difficult. It's when no, yeah, but um, but also the FTP. You know, um, I, I you know, I always recommend that people should use alternative um, like SFTP. You know, that's going to be a lot better. Um, but just be a bit wary of that, folks. You know, you know, basically for the reason Brian, and also if you are logging in and uploading, I, was, I wouldn't. It's just like it's just like my bank. I, I generally, you know, even though it's all secure, I don't normally log into my bank account at Starbucks. I do that at home. <laughs> I just don't want to do it, folks, you know, even though I've got virus scans and I kept everything. I just don't, I avoid it like the plague. Any public access spot like that, I I just don't really want to go to my bank. Would you agree with that, Brian? No, I mean, you never know what the guy in the corner at Starbucks is running on his computer. Right, right. You've got to be careful. um, Jonathan raises a good point is that, you know, your site can be affected because of something that's on your computer when you're connecting. So, you know, keeping your, you know, keeping your own machine uh, free of viruses uh, is part of that process of protecting your website. And, you know, most of these articles focus very specifically on, you know, stuff to do for your WordPress site. But WordPress is not the only uh, vector of attack um for getting a, a site hacked and so you know you want to make sure your hosting company is doing all the stuff at at their end um one of my clients right now is a, a security company and so they follow like all of the security updates about freaking everything and they you know pinged me on slack the other day and 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 said where do we find our our you know database version information and you know i ended up installing a, a server info plugin because uh, they needed to know what, you know, MySQL engine we were on and, and what version it was because there were some vulnerabilities in some of these popular uh, engines. And uh, it would obviously be very embarrassing for a security company to have its website hacked. Um, so, 
uh, you know, I was ended up, you know, pestering the WP Engine support staff to confirm that, you know, this was in fact the the uh, you know the version with with the patch in it. Um, well, if you want to if you want to be attacked, run a WordPress maintenance company, Sally, because you be you be mind bogged. The amount of attack vectors my the WP Tonic site is exposed to, Sally, and but we've got it pretty hardened down, folks. So, um, but you'd be uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but we have seen some crazy stuff, Sally. I think that's a great point. Um, you know, with the hosting, uh, if if you're on shared hosting, you're going to be more vulnerable to attack than if you're on. Uh, a managed WordPress host. Um, and a lot of people, they try and save five bucks a month by going with shared hosting. And, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, the, the local IT guy uh, and, and the PHP version is, you know, five steps behind. Uh, but I've even seen, you know, like larger companies, their PHP version is behind. It's not even supported and that's what they're running. Um Actually, the larger companies, the medium to larger, because they tend to host the site on an internal server. Then they, normally, it's under the control of the IT department, and mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, that's the worst. Yeah, that's when you get hacked. Is, when, it, I find that's the worst. They're, they're the worst of the worst. Yes, like, I mean, you can actually be a lot more vulnerable if you have a dedicated server than you are on a, a good shared hosting plan. If you're the one managing the dedicated server and you don't know what you're doing. No, it's not that, Sally. I've had these conversations and I, I'm going uh, uh, like this, folks, because I don't like generalizations around types of people. I just don't like doing it, but I am going to do it now, folks. Um, you get you get some Unix administrator for a medium or and what do you know that you're running PHP you know a very old version yes do you, um, do you know the Apache version you're running is pretty out yes <laughs> that's the, it's just yes um, well we would you know uh, it would make our lives easier, you know. We obviously we've been hired to do this, you know. You've been told that we, yes, we could have done it internally. Oh, why didn't you? <laughs> you know, you know, this conversation ain't gonna be, you know, this is this is a wasted cop phone call, and this is a wasted conversation, and this ain't gonna work out that well. But I've had a couple of those, John. Have you? Oh, you know what? Yeah, I, I've I've had clients that like, um, and it's usually not the small businesses. The small businesses are usually yeah. they'll let you call the shots, and I would rather work with those. It's kind of when you go into that middle tier of you know sometimes it's startupy type of companies. It's like we want to control our server and. Um, we want to, you know, make sure everything's right. But it's like, you know, you'd be much better off if you use like some sort of managed WordPress host uh, that, that you know, they have a team of server administrators and database administrators and, you know, uh, system ops, people that like live and breathe this and are dedicated to doing this and having like one guy that is, you know, just trying to do everything. Um, cause that's when you get into trouble. You don't keep up with updating, you know, the PHP, you don't keep up with, you know, cleaning up the database or cleaning up the server. Uh, it's, it's much better to let, to, to, to put that in somebody else's hands, somebody who's that you're good at that, a company that is dedicated to that. Be very careful when you're shopping around for a host. Uh, don't just shop on price alone. Don't just trust anybody that says we do enterprise hosting because oftentimes it's, it's not that great. Um, you, you know, go with the people who have a proven track record. Um, Jackie, uh, I want to ask you, um, you know, when you have your clients, how do you talk with them about security? Is that something you talk about? Like when you first onboard them and, and what kind of resistance do you have to, to implementing security best practices? There's a lot of resistance to doing it, especially if the site is not making money yet, is not like a profitable venture, and the risk is low for them. I think that's 
more of a challenge if you've got an established company that's very dependent on their website and it's driving uh, revenue um, into their business, they're going to be more receptive to it. It's um, definitely putting it all together and making the case for it. And I think just even sharing some of the horror stories that we heard today like from Brian about something that could take years, that is a great example to share with a client about uh, what can happen when you are not following best practices and how not only th- that this could take years to um, uh, affect and resolve with your business. So I think having those conversations about what actually the consequences are of a hack and how that would affect them uh, is one thing. The other is definitely, you know, backups is another big lax area. When I meet with clients, I'll find out that they have not been doing regular backups, or if they are, they're only being done on the server where the site is stored. So that's another uh, issue. I, uh, for sites that I'm managing, I backup offsite daily. That is another good example of, you know, first do an audit with your client when you're first talking with them and then kind of ask them these questions. This way it brings awareness. Okay, maybe this is something they hadn't even realized that they need to um, consider. And having a little, you know, here's all the things that um, we need to take a look at before we even get started or just go through with them what their normal processes are. So I think Passwords, number one, you know, when I ask them to send me their login information and they do, and it's a four or five letter password and it's something very easy, I've already now, I'm already heads up that, okay, there's not going to be a lot of security precautions uh, in effect right now. So that'd be a great time to start having that conversation about that. But I think, um, you know, WordPress in itself there's a lot of people that think, okay, it's a very easy DIY thing to build a site and do it. But when you start to really have all the conversations about what all the risk factors are in your site and how you should manage it, it becomes a lot more complex. And when you introduce a lot of third-party plugins and the desire for a lot of clients to use as many free plugins as they can, which then you have um, concerns about whether the plugins are being updated or they're coded well, or uh, are they even needed anymore, like leaving installed plugins activated on a website where they, I'll ask clients, I noticed you have 43 plugins installed on your site, and we're getting ready to do a project. And I ask them, well, what are all these for? And they go, oh, I don't know, Uh, somebody installed them, and I just don't know what to do with them. So I just left them there. And, And many of them are outdated, haven't been updated. So doing that audit in the beginning, and then making those recommendations, I'll kind of get it on the radar in the beginning. No, definitely. I um, I just had a couple clients that I onboarded. One of them, I took out like 19 plugins. And, you know, and I told him, you know, like when we, you know, launched the new version of their, their site, I said, you know, and by the way, I, I, you had like, you know, this many plugins installed and I took out like 19 because a lot of them weren't getting updated uh, or they're not being maintained and you actually didn't need them. Um, you know, I tested all that on a staging server and they're like, hold up now. Uh, like, let me hear like what you're saying. You're saying you took out some stuff that we didn't need, uh, and it was security risk or something like that. And I'm like, yep. Okay. That's good. You know, and, and definitely like the strong passwords, I think is like the hardest thing to, to work on clients about because a lot of people, it's just about convenience. Even I think, um, you know, a lot of agencies are kind of lax about using strong passwords or, you know, setting up a database with, you know, uh, you know, strong passwords and usernames and stuff like that. These are all things that like add up. The, the harder you can make it for the bad guys, the the easier you're going to make it to maintain that site and, and keep it safe and sound. Um well, it's good news about last password because I understand I was reading it, I think, last yesterday or the day before, that they used to have, um, if you mobile devices, i.e. iPhone, tablet, you had to buy a premier version, but now they're going to free on all devices. Well, it was it was $12 a year for know, last, the last pass premium to sync your 
passwords across all your devices. You could install it on any device for, for free, but the, the synchronization. Mm. 12 bucks a year is a pretty tiny darn investment. Yeah. It was, but you had people. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I sound awful, don't I, Sally? You're totally right, Sally, but, you know, even, even though my new barrier has been removed, Sally, shall we put it that way? Shall we leave it at that? Um, shall we Shall we wrap this and go to the bonus content, John? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's about that time. Um, yeah, so if you want to catch the bonus content for this episode, you can find it on the WP Tonic website, uh, most of our podcast episodes have extra bonus content if you go to the corresponding episode number. Um, and I also want to remind people, too, if you're getting value from this show, be sure to go to iTunes, leave us a review, uh, You know, be descriptive. It definitely helps other people find this podcast. Uh, and if you want, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, you know, We definitely appreciate it. Yeah, they, and, they really want to do that, don't they, John? Because we're getting a lot of new listeners, aren't we? Our numbers are growing rapidly. But you're not leaving any reviews, folks, and we love to hear from you for what you yeah. actually think of the show, won't we, John? Yeah, definitely. We'd love to get to 100 reviews, and we can only do that with your help. So uh, with that, I will let the panel, uh, let everybody tell, them, tell the listeners where you can find them. Brian, where do we find you? Uh, I blog regularly over at Keensta, so just Keensta.com. Um, and then I'm, I pretty much live on Twitter at Brian Lee Jackson, B-R-I-A-N. Very good. Sally, how do we find you? You can find me at WPFangirl.com. I am um, at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you can spell my name, you can find me anywhere. I am unique in Google. Jackie, how do we find you? You can find me at JackieDelia.com or on Twitter at JDelia. And that's it. Cool. Jonathan, how do we find you? Oh, folks, the two main best ways of getting hold of me is email, and that's Jonathan at WP-tonic.com. Or you can Twitter me. I normally check my email and my Twitter a couple times a day and the twitter handles uh, at jonathan denwood and i'm a bit like sally there ain't many jonathan denwoods around so you can hunt me down pretty easily well you can find me uh there's definitely a couple john locks out there but i guess not uh oh, a ton. God, there's only one unique john there's only one that matters yeah, i mean maybe. so Definitely. But uh, you can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, which is where I hang out. Uh, my Twitter handle is lockdown underscore. With that, I want to say signing off for episode 140. Be sure to catch us for episode 141, where we're going to interview Heather Steele of Blue Steel Solutions. You're not going to want to miss that one. All right. Catch you on the WP Tonic website. Mm-hmm.